Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Did Pastor Chris do a good job last week? Today, of course, as you know, is Palm Sunday, as Pastor Chris mentioned, but we began a series called March to the Cross, and we began with Pastor Chris talking to us about the Garden of Gethsemane, which means oil press, and how you respond, and how should we respond when the pressures of life are upon us. And then I spoke to you about the betrayal of Judas in a message called, What Made Judas Judas? Last week, Pastor Chris talked to us about Simon Peter, the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth, the only apostle who could say he'd been rebuked by the entire Trinity at one point or another in his lifetime. And then, of course, finally, we are today at Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Pastor Chris mentioned why we call it Palm Sunday, because actually, technically, This happened on a Monday, the story I'm about to lead you into. It's called the triumphal entry. It was the time where Jesus came and the parade and the culmination of many of the people who he'd healed, many miracles that had transpired, and they gathered together, and it was a parade, and they waved palm branches, which was a Hebrew or a Jewish symbol, and they began to yell as he said, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now. All of this was preceded by a dinner that begins in chapter 12. It's one that Dr. Darius spoke about during spiritual renewal and one that I spoke about the week before. It was a dinner hosted in Bethany, which was near Jerusalem, at the home of Simon the leper, a leper that Jesus had healed. In attendance was all the disciples, and probably the most famous person there next to Jesus himself was Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead. John tells us in John chapter 12 that Lazarus' two sisters were there as well. What were their names? Mary Mary and Martha. They were there. And John alone, though there are three gospel accounts, it's John alone that tells us that the woman who takes a year's worth of expensive ointment or, or perfume and takes it and pours it on the feet and the head of Jesus It's what you would do for someone when they died. You would wrap them in this expensive perfume and then make cloths to wipe them up so that that they didn't smell. And she takes Mary, Lazarus' sister, probably same ointment that she had probably taken and put on her brother when he died. And she takes and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus and on his head. And then she does something. If you've seen Middle Eastern women, all of their heads are always covered because their hair is their glory. And she pulls that off and her hair falls down. And then she takes her hair and she begins to wipe the head and the feet of Jesus. Today, that's where we pick up the story in the second part of John chapter 12. And when the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd gathered to see him. And they wanted to see Lazarus, the man who has been raised from the dead. This prompted the chief priest to seal their plans to do away with them both. Jesus and, which is really pretty interesting. They're trying to kill a man that's already been resurrected and kill another man who will be resurrected. 
How many of you know it's pretty bad to kill somebody who can come back and testify that it was you? A few years ago, I went on a, on, a, on, a, on a dove hunt in a foreign country and, and they would bring you out to these poor areas and you'd shoot all these doves because they would just pillage the crop and leave the poor people with nothing. So also pillaging the crop was parrots, like the kind of parrots that, that you have at your house, like the ones that call names and stuff. And so, so the people told us, they said, look, while you're shooting the doves, you also need to shoot the parrots. I said, the kind of parrots that people buy? They said, yeah. I said, the kind of parrots that, 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 that like talk? They said, yeah. I said, look, I refuse to kill anything that before it dies could go, ah, it was Pastor Jacob. Verse 11 says, for his miracle testimony was irrefutable and was persuading many Jews in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. So the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept across and a massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took, what did they take? Palm branches and went out to meet him and everyone was shouting, Lord, be our savior. Blessed is the one who is sent from Yahweh, the King of Israel. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode in on it to fulfill what was prophesied. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it's your King coming, riding on a young donkey. Now Jesus' disciples, read this with me, didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But afterwards, when he was raised and exalted into glory, they understood how he fulfilled all the prophecies in scripture that were written about him. All the eyewitnesses of the miracles Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead kept spreading the news of his resurrection and it caused crowds to swell and great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders were disturbed by this and said to each other, we won't be able to stop the whole world is going to run after him. Now, as wicked as these leaders were, and ultimately they would kill Jesus, what they said here was very true because 2,000 years later, the world is still running after Jesus. But the verse that leaps out to me in this passage is verse 16. Let's look at it again. Now, Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of, of what was taking place. But what? After he was raised and exalted in glory, they understood how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies in the scriptures that were written about him. How could they not understand what Jesus continually told them over and over and over? In this Holy Week, I want to encourage you to read the book of John. It probably won't take you more than an hour because the book of John is primarily the last three weeks of the life of Jesus, and it picks up in John chapter 12, and you actually get the last week of the life of Jesus and all the events that occurred. And as you're reading, I want you to underline every time Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be killed. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and the religious leaders are going to kill me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and he even mentions crucifixion. How is it that Jesus could say over and over and over and over something to them, but they couldn't get it? You know what we call that in South Louisiana? Tedder. What does that mean? 
Now we're going to find a real Cajuns. Ted Dur Como Cabri. What does that mean? Hard headed like a goat. See, you didn't even know what you were. I just helped you. How could they not get it? Someone said faith is trusting in advance would only make sense in reverse. Trusting in advance would only make sense in reverse. The disciples heard him say over and over, but they didn't get it. Why didn't they see that he was fulfilling the scriptures? They studied them. They were written hundreds and even thousands of years before about him. Why didn't they? Because they had four common misconceptions that all humans have about God's workings and dealings. What are those four misconceptions? The first one is it didn't happen when they thought it would. It's amazing how life unfolds. Some of you have had the most wonderful things happen in your life and the most horrible things happen in your life. And the day began as every other day begins. But so often as Christians, sometimes we wait for some supernatural thing. Like if if I hear an audible voice or if I get a sign or if I won the lottery. I actually married a woman one time who told me the sign that she got from God that she was supposed to be married is she won the bingo jackpot and it would pay for the wedding. That was the first sign things were going to go south. The second one was he showed up at the wedding an hour late. But that's another message for another time. We'll leave that Lazarus dead in marriage. We don't want to resurrect him. It didn't happen in the way that they thought it would. Often we wait for a miraculous moment when really what God is looking for out of our lives is not that which is miraculous. It's simply that which is faithful. It's just simply that which is faithful. Faithful like the man Simeon. You go, Pastor, who, who's, who's Simeon? We all know about the angels and the wise men that were spoken to and how they went to see Jesus. We all know about them. But we skip over an old man who didn't get an angel. I mean, come on, if an angel came and talked to you, if something 11 to 13 foot tall walked through the wall and told you, go to Bro Bridge, something's going to happen at the Crawfish Festival. Okay, most of us would go, wow. You know, most people think that when you talk about an angel, that an angel is these little fat babies that you see in paintings with wings on, you know, and diapers. Let me just say something. If you ever see a real angel, you will need a diaper. The first words every angel ever speaks when he comes into the presence, read it in the Bible, it's fear not. Why? Because when they walk in, people are terrified. Quite often, that's what we wait for. Look at this man, Simeon. Simeon went to church every day. Simeon prayed every day. And now he's walking in to his daily worship as he's always done. But something supernatural is about to happen. Luke 2.25 says, And they came to the temple to fulfill the requirement. And an elderly man was waiting. This is Mary and Joseph carrying baby Jesus to circumcise him and dedicate him on the eighth day. A resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a very good man and a lover of God who kept himself pure. And the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent of appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. For the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death till he saw who? 
the Messiah, the anointed one of God. Keeping his promise, the Holy Spirit led Simeon into the temple court at that very moment that Jesus' parents entered in to fulfill the requirements of the sacrifice. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, and now I can die content for you have fulfilled your promise to me. My eyes have seen your word, the Savior you sent into the world. More often than not, it's not a miraculous moment. It's simply us being consistent in our daily devotion. This guy just went to church. We had spiritual renewal. Wasn't it amazing? Dr. Darius Daniels and, and, and Pastor Jimmy Rollins and phenomenal worship from Pastor Jonathan and Baton Rouge. And one of our couples, key couples in the church I'm very close to, they call me and they go, Pastor, listen, I know the first service is on Monday night, but Pastor, I mean, it, we, we've had a rough week and business is rough and we're about to open up a brand new business. W- would you be fine if we just watched online? And I said, I, I, I'm so sorry, and I, I understand. But why don't you do this? Why don't you just come Monday night? Just come Monday night. So they came on Monday night, and they sat right here where Pastor Randy and Polly are. I called them the next morning and said, how was it? They go, we have a babysitter for the next two nights. <laughs> Listen carefully to me. How many times do we miss it? Hey, your mama and papa didn't have everything right, but there were some things they had right. You go to church, whether you feel like it or not, whether you want to or not, you never know when God is going to do something that you need. And listen, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, I'm at home, and, 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 and I'm concerned for health reasons. Listen, no condemnation. Stay home. Get the shot get grigri juice, get a cross, bless yourself, get holy water, whatever it takes for you to get back. I I want you to feel comfortable to do that. Okay, but listen carefully to me. There is nothing like being in the presence of God and being gathered with other people. Don't clap yet. Wait a minute. I'm gonna give you a chance in just a second. Let me give you some sheep shepherd 101, okay? Okay, the sheep shepherd 101. I'm trying, I'm doing my best. I don't know what it sounds like, but I am. Here here it is. When the wolf, who is the devil, wants to get the sheep, he gets them first away from the shepherd and secondly away from the flock. Because when he gets you away from the shepherd and he gets you away from the flock, then he has you to himself. Now you can clap. I want to say again, some people watching go, Pastor, are you... Are you talking to me? Of course I am. You're the only people listening to me. Who else would I be talking to? People say, I just don't want you to think this personal. This is very personal. So just wanted to clear that up in case you were questioning. Here's the second thing. It didn't happen where they thought it would. Has anybody here ever been to Israel? I'm going to Israel for the first time this year. I'm sorry, I'm 62 years old. I had an opportunity when I was 18, and the moron and idiot I was, I didn't go. But I'm going this year. But one of the most famous things in Israel is the Wailing Wall. How many of you have ever heard of the Wailing Wall? Let let me show you a picture of the Wailing Wall. Well, one of our screens is out. Let me show you the picture on one screen. This is the Wailing Wall. 
And this wailing wall is where Jews are praying for the Messiah to come. And they take and they write little scrolls of prayers and they stick it in the wall. And you can get close and you hear them going, ah! And they're praying and they're screaming, send the Messiah, send the deliverer. Now, you know what's interesting? Jesus is riding on a donkey. People are waving palm branches less than one mile from here. I am told that if you could stand on that wall, you could see where Jesus, the Messiah, was answering their prayer. But you know what? It didn't happen where they thought it would. It didn't happen where they thought it would. Here's the third misconception that we as humans have about our interaction and God's dealings is it didn't happen how they thought it would. It didn't happen how they thought it would. They were looking for a lion leader, but God sent the Lamb of God. They wanted a king who would kill the Romans who were ruling over them and persecuting them and enslaving them. Instead, they got a savior who would die for their sins, who said this in John 12, 25, this same passage going right in from the dinner, chapter 12, all the way through the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday to this. Jesus said, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss what? Now, let me explain to you. In the Greek, there's two words for life. One is bio. It's where we get the word biology. Interestingly enough, that's what we try to build all of our life, isn't it? Our bio. But then there is the life that Christ comes when he lives in you, and that's called zoe. Zoe. That doesn't happen until you surrender to Christ and become born again and spiritually alive. So here's what Jesus is saying. The person who loves his own life and pampers himself will miss true Zoe. But the one who detaches his bio from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life, Zoe, and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple and follow me, and you want to go where I'm going, if you want to truly follow after me and be my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Christ's example is this. When you die to yourself, you find yourself. You know, years ago, you used to have to read books to find out what people's lives were really like. Now all you need is a phone. I'm amazed that the, the people who, who are the most famous, now the term is influencer, they're influencers. And you see day after day, they took their own life. They committed suicide. They OD'd. Why? Because they were unwilling to lay down their bio to find Zoe, and so they lost all of their bio. Here's number four. It didn't happen through who they thought it would happen through. They wanted someone educated and elite. They wanted someone who lived in River Ranch. 
Instead, they got the poor kid from Northside <laughs> who was humble, meek, and lowly. They wanted someone who would cross the Roman rulers and put them in charge. Instead, they got someone who died on a Roman cross. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think carefully about this question when I ask it. Is it possible that the same thing is happening today and that we are just as clueless as the disciples were that day? Is that possible? Well, what if January 2020, 15 months ago, I would have said to you, churches will be ordered to close for at least half the year by the government. The people who've told us forever and ever, separation of church and state. You, you can't mix the church and the state until the government subjugates themselves as Rome above the church. So suppose I would told you that some churches would be closed for a year and in New Jersey and in California, most of my pastor friends, including Dr. Darius Daniels, don't know if they will ever have church again for another year or year and a half. What would you say? Impossible. Suppose I told you that wearing a mask or not wearing a mask was going to divide churches. Are you at a masked church or an unmasked church? Are you a masked believer or a masked unbeliever? I want you to listen carefully what I'm going to say. Many of you have heard me say this before. I don't always know what God wants me to do, but if I know what the devil wants me to do, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Listen carefully. Anything that is based and rooted in fear and divides people is not from God. Suppose I told you, this is, this is hard to believe. Suppose that I told you that when churches did begin to meet, 50% of the people who church and spirituality was a priority of their life left and never came back. That's the good ones. March 2020, there were 8,000 people attending our six campuses across Acadiana. 8,000 people. After COVID, not only did we lose one campus that met in a school, but the biggest Sunday we've had, less than 50% of our congregation has even showed up. How about this? What if I told you that for the first time in 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we would be forbidden to gather and even to worship to honor the resurrected Savior? Last year was the first time in 2,000 years churches worldwide did not gather. There wasn't even Jews praying at the wailing wall. They were forbidden to go. As a young Christian, I would hear, one day, the day is coming where many will fall away from their faith. The day is coming where many people, their love for God, the fire will burn out. Those of you who were here for Dr. Darius's messages about how 
There is a fire of our faith that's in us and fire has the propensity to go out so it must constantly be fed. The Bible talks about the day when the the love of many will grow cold. Well, actually, Jesus himself said it. Let me tell you exactly what Jesus said. Let's read his own words in Matthew 24, verse 9. You can expect to be persecuted. You say, Pastor, what what, what do you mean? Are are we... Are Christians being persecuted? Listen, 50% of people that used to believe that this was the inspired word of God are willing to cross it to keep people in the building and run God straight out of here. They've caved to the morals of the day. They're being persecuted. If you think a man is a man and is a woman is a woman, you can be persecuted. If you think men belong in men's bathrooms and women belong in women's bathrooms, and if you can doggone go back a million years and piece together all these pieces of animals to put together a dinosaur and say, this is where we came from, why can't you at least undo your belt and find out what you are? Now, I want to say, listen carefully to me. Listen carefully. I want you to hear me. I am not, I'm not, the religious guy, that that's all I've ever seen. My daddy was married five times. My mama was a barmaid, four sisters pregnant, 13, 14, and 15. My nieces and nephews are homosexuals and lesbians and strippers. I have cried with people who've wept over the brokenness of their children's sexuality. I was recently attacked by the lesbians and gay community. And you know who defended me? A lesbian woman I minister to every day who calls me her daddy. This place is not a palace for the perfect. It's a hospital for the hurting. And if you got your act together, find another church. This church is for jacked up people. Look around. And you go, well, they don't look that jacked up. You didn't see them when they first came in here. (laughs) Somebody once told me, they go, Pastor, you know, I I looked and do you know who I saw was in church? I was shocked. I said, be encouraged. They were just as shocked to see you. Jesus himself said, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick. And for those of you, and, and there isn't a person here that hasn't been touched by someone's broken sexuality. And listen, to, listen carefully to me. I've sat with so many parents that blame themselves. When my children made stupid decisions, I blamed myself. I want you to hear carefully what I'm going to say. Because we're human, we don't do some things imperfectly. We do everything imperfectly. We live in an imperfect world. Look at me. And those of you who heard me speak two weeks ago, you heard me say, my, my wife is a gardener. I'm not. When I gave my life to Christ and gave up planting weed, I gave up my green thumb. <laughs> Many Cheech and Chong followers here. That just, <laughs> and... But, but Michelle loves planting things and she'll work. And I mean, this is her happy place is working in the yard. And I mean, just, she is a Cajun woman. She was in our pond up to here. Just no waiters on nothing, pulling stuff. Like, I don't even do that when I hunt. And, and you, you know, you, you look at all, all of the work that she might do. And, and then I walk out and I go, well, there's a weed in what she worked on for two weeks. 
I know for a fact that she didn't plant that weed there. We live in a fallen world and weeds just come because our world has fallen. Can I tell you the truth that I've discovered in working with people for 48 years, teenagers primarily, people that have great kids give themselves too much credit and people who have kids that have done stupid things give themselves too much blame. It's just true. It's true. I've worked with the wealthiest in our community and I've worked with the poorest of the poor. It's all the same issues. Money gives you access to more. That's the only difference. We live in a broken world. On most Sunday mornings, I didn't this morning, I text a young lady who got pregnant out of wedlock to remind her, hey, I'm preaching in Lafayette. I want you to know, I want you to come. I want to hug you. I want to see you. That's why we're here. So I don't want anybody walking out of here, if you have a gay son, brother, nephew, aunt, uncle, cousin, whoever, listen to me. Don't give this up because someone else you love gave up something they never should have given up. I want to say this on Mondays, and I want you to listen carefully what I say. I've seen so many people who love God have something happen to someone they love and they have, think they have to either choose them or choose this. Look right here. There isn't one person here that loves that person you love more than God himself. The reason God's commandments are there are for our good. They're the rail guards on the highway of life to keep us from shipwreck. Because remember, as I remind you often, you don't break God's commandments. When you violate them, they break you. They break you. You destroy your own life. Do you know why all the people that we're talking about with wealth and influence and popularity take their life? Because they have everything to live with but nothing to live for. They get to the end of filling up their bio and they're as miserable as when they started. Many people often say, Pastor, when you're talking like this, do, do, do you believe this is, this, is, this is the last generation? Is this it? Is Jesus coming? Is this the last generation? How many of you want to know the answer to that question? Okay, well, y'all stay here afterwards. The rest of y'all, y'all can leave. <laughs> How many of you want to know, is this the last generation? Let me give you an answer. It's yours. <laughs> and you are responsible to care and to keep your generation and to hand as much of this as you can in culture and society to the next generation. As I've often told you, darkness never wins alone. Darkness only wins when the light refuses to show up. So today, Jesus himself told us how people would fall away. How, how what they would believe in this message of the word of God, how it would be pulled out of her heart and people would turn away from it in the great falling away when the love of many would grow cold. L listen to what he says in Mark chapter four. 
Let me explain, Jesus says. The farmer sows the message of the kingdom. That's the word of God. What falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the message, but immediately, what? Satan appears and snatches that word, that truth, out of their heart. And what is sown on gravel represents those who hear the message and receive it joyfully. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word, they do not endure for long. For when trouble or persecution, say it with me, trouble and persecution, on account of the message, they immediately wilt and fall away. And what is sown among thorns represents those who hear the message, but allow the cares of this life and the, the say it again, the seduction of wealth. We always think of sexual seduction. The Bible talks more often about the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke out the message so that it produces what? Nothing. But what is sown in good soul represents those who open their hearts and receive the message and their lives bear good fruit and it yields a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times what was planted. Their love would grow cold. How does people's love for God grow cold? Or better yet, how has it grown cold in the last 15 months? Jesus tells us right here four things that cause our fire, our love for him and others to grow cold. Listen to what he says. The first thing is pain. Pain. Our world is in enormous pain. 80,000 people in the last 12 months took their life or OD'd during COVID. That's because our world's in pain. It's not because things are good. 40% of Americans are on some drug to help them medicate their mood or their emotions. That's not because things are good. They're pain. With social media, you're exposed to things you should never be exposed to. You see things you should never see and should never come before your eyes. Here's a second persecution. Persecution. Christianity that costs nothing means nothing. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. There is no such thing as real Christianity without persecution, or it's not real Christianity. Here's the third thing. The pleasures of this world. Some people say it takes six weeks to make a habit. What do you think six months of being out of church does? What do you think a year being out of church does? Well, what do you think that does? The pleasures of this world. Do you know what the term hedonism means? If you wanna, you wanna know, pull out your phone when you leave here and look at Surrey and say, what's the definition of hedonism? And it will say that the chief aim of a life is pleasure. I just, I just got to get to my pleasure. 
Can I tell you something about pleasure? It lies. It lies. Because what is really pleasurable is knowing that I am pleasing God and serving others. That's the greatest measure of fulfillment there is. Here's the last thing. Passing unchecked passions. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you remember your first car? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, unlike me, how many of you, when you graduated from high school or when you turned 16, your parents bought you your dream car? Raise your hand. Anybody here? One. Anybody here? here? Two. 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 What kind of car did they get you? A Ford Thunderbird. I hate you like a good Christian. How many of you got that hand-me-down car? It was like a weight loss program when you walked in it. You didn't know what you had to pour more in, oil or gas. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many remember when you finally bought your first dream car? How many remember when you bought your first dream car? On the count of three, yell out what your first dream car was. One, two, three. Okay. In five years, it was sitting in a junkyard and you never wanted to look at it again. Do you know why? Because desires are deceitful. I'm a a hunter. Do we have any hunters here? Okay, well, I'm sorry for the rest of y'all. I hunted with the same shotgun my daddy bought me when I was 12 years old. A 1970 Marlin goose gun. When I got it, it was taller than me. So I still have it. I hunted with that gun until I was 25 years old and I was preaching at First Baptist in Abbeville and the pastor there, as an offering for preaching there for a week, gave me an automatic shotgun. I mean, I was so fired up. Now that I think about how terrible that shotgun was and how much he should have given me, I probably should have shot him with the gun. Just a joke, kind of. He's a good man, I believe. One day I was driving by Lafayette Shooters. How many of you know where Lafayette Shooters is? When I walk in, when I just drive by, my car just pulls in. I don't even, I'm not even planning on going there. Just, just like it just drives up in there. You try to start it, it goes, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not starting till you go in. This is a sign from God. So I, I walk in there and, and, and this, this, this happened. This is literally, I'm 27 years old. I walk into Lafayette Shooters and man, they had just come out with the Browning A500, the new humpback. How many know what I'm talking about? God bless you. I love you. And I'm looking at that thing and I, I looked at the guy behind the counter. I said, uh, could, could, could you hand that to me? He handed it to me, man, I put that thing up on my shoulder. I said, man, this is such a fine gun. I could point this gun at ducks and they would fall out the sky. I was justifying all the things I could do. This would save me money. I, wouldn't, I could kill them. It's so easy with this. I would, it would save me on shotgun shells and a box of shotgun shells over 10 years. I mean, I had it all figured out in my mind. And then there was that big sign that said, interest-free financing. And I said, this is a message from God. And I'd be right back. And so, 
The reason that I say that is I now collect shotguns. If you gave me for free that shotgun, I would take it. I wouldn't pay $200 for that gun. But at that time, my life was not going to be fulfilled. I was going to be the greatest Mexican hunter the world had ever seen. If I walked out with this gun, people were going to be astonished. Geese were going to be amazed. Birds were going to fly from Canada just to see my gun and to be shot by it. And that's the way I felt about my first house. You remember your first house? Paid $84,500 for it. I borrowed five grand from my in-laws, paid them back. I told my wife, I said, I was raised in the ghetto. This is it, baby. We've arrived at the Holy Land. (laughs) Yeah. And then we moved to the next house. I thought, this is it. We moved to the, this is it. And then we moved to the next house. And every seven years we moved until two years ago. And my next moving place will be at Wesley's Pond back here. You can go sit down, pop open a cold one and talk to me on the bench. But look at me. Each time it was like, this is, this is, because desires are deceitful. They're deceitful. But all the enemy wants to do is use them Jesus and his disciples were walking into a city of Samaria. They were going in to get food. Jesus stayed at a well. And a prostitute came walking up at noon. She couldn't get water in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. She had to come when the other respectable women didn't come. Jesus begins a conversation with her and says, give me a drink. And she says, Jews don't even speak to us. And Can't you tell what I am? Why are you even talking to me? You look like a rabbi. And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, I would give you something where you would never, ever, ever be thirsty again. And she said, give me that water. This is my walk of shame. I can't come when the other ladies come. Give me that water. Where is it? We hear a Messiah is coming. And he said, I who speak to you, my Messiah comes for hookers. And she dropped her pot. And the Bible says this woman who had five husbands, I like to call this the woman five men couldn't satisfy go running into the city and while she's running into the city the disciples come walking up with five hamburgers and two milkshakes and try to figure out what just happened and she runs and says come see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done now she must have done a lot because it says every man in the city ran out to see Jesus This is, old, this is New Testament Instagram. Now watch this. And for the first time in her life, which she didn't find in her daddy, 
but she didn't find her first husband and her second husband and her third husband and her fourth husband and her fifth husband. She found when she laid down her bio to experience the Zoe life of God. It doesn't matter what your bio looks like. It's just bio and it will die with you. But when you experience the Zoe life of God, then you find what you were made to live for and Christ lives his life through you. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you that there isn't a person here starting with me that can't identify with this woman who, who wanted so much the vacuum of her life to be satisfied and the things that we take to fill it. She, for her, it was the love of a man thinking one day a man would fulfill her. For many of us, it's been many different things, including men and women, children, gifts, houses, cars, accomplishments. But you humbly waited that door, that gentle Savior knocking, forgive us for turning loose of what we knew you desired for us because of pain because of pleasure because of deceitful desires that lied to us today examine our heart as only you can and for just a minute I want you just to Ask the Holy Spirit to do inventory of your heart. heart here. You not only know our words, but our thoughts on earth are like words in heaven. You hear our thoughts like screams. Shout it to you. We know we've walked through a difficult season that our world has. But we want to be as close as the disciples. We don't want to see what you're doing but not embrace it because it didn't come like we thought it would, when we thought it would, how we thought it would, in the way that we thought it would. And now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? My birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in my junior high school. And I surrendered my life to Christ. And that day, the old Jacob died, 
and a new one. The bio died. The Zoe life of God raised me spiritually from the dead. I've had good days and bad days since that day, but I've never been the same since that Zoe life came as I surrendered my bio life to Christ. You say, Pastor, I've been christened. I've been baptized. I've joined the church. Isn't isn't that good enough? That's a great start. But that's not what Jesus said in John 3, 3. He said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God or you won't enter into the kingdom of God. Meaning you won't experience it now and you won't go to it later. Pastor, how can I be born again? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. And he died on the cross for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And see, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. So today, if you've never prayed to be born again, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. But you say, Pastor, today, today I want to lay down my bio life become spiritually alive and experience the Zoe life that God has for me. The life worth living. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, but on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm just going to pray for you. Just raise it up high and put it back down. That's all I want you to do. And then I'm going to pray for you. You're just acknowledging this is you. One, God brought you here. Nothing's an accident. Nothing is an accident. Every circumstance of your life has led you to right now. Two, God has been doing that for a long time. He is the good shepherd that continues looking for the sheep that's crying out to him even when they're alone. And today is your day to become born again. See, three, that's you. Pastor today. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to be born again. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now real quick, real high. Put it back down. I'm going to pray for you. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You could put your hands down. Last question, 15 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 15, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know you're talking to me. God's talking to me through you. If that's you, you didn't raise your hand, but you should have raised it and wave it at me right now. I'm asking this last time for you. All right. The church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raised their hand. We're going to join you and pray out loud this prayer, your vow to God to be born again, to lay down your bio life, to experience the Zoe life of God. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe it on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen.